0: Hello and welcome to Earth Calling. We're your hosts Ed and Laszlo. Every week we bring you a fresh slice of online content, sorting through the likes, the memes, the insta-queens, the swipes, the scrolls, and the twitter trolls. Together we're laying down our 21st century digital legacy. So sit back, relax, and buckle in. This is Earth Calling.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the 30th episode of Earth Calling. It's a big milestone for us and it also marks the season finale of our first ever season. It's great to have you back. I just want to say that Ed, shortly before I began the intro, he just said, not the bloody Spanish one. So, uh, <laughs> well,
0: that's because you were gearing up to do your Spanish again.
1: I was. I, I always do a couple of rehearsals of the intro, and uh, I happened to do a little Spanish rehearsal this time. No fear, it's English, Laszlo today. Ed, thirty episodes. I mean, I was reflecting on that. That's that's seven months and a bit. Of an episode every single week. I think we owe ourselves a little pat on the back.
0: Yeah, I think the release schedule has been remarkably consistent, and...
1: That editor, that that vastly, vastly underpaid editor is just <laughs> really, just burning
0: the midnight oil. Not a bean to rub together to his name, but it has been an absolute pleasure every minute of it, and... I think that it would only be fitting of this season one finale to do a little bit of reminiscing, a little trip down memory lane. I think we're all familiar with the fact that recently Friends, the cast of Friends, a much lesser known US TV serial popular popular in the 90s. Well, actually, in many ways, the content of that is quite millennial and, and very nostalgic. So we thought it'd be good to just do a little bit of reminiscing and to think back. So we've done 30 episodes over 30 weeks. We've streamed out about 1700 hours of playtime to our listeners god knows again as we always say what they could have done with with that time had it been applied (laughs) to something else but we hope that people have learned a little bit over the course of the past 30 weeks
1: in that time they probably could have created
0: a platform for us to then discuss in a an episode (laughs) of our show exactly and the fact that you know it's been seven months feels like it's flashed by to be quite honest And I thought that it might be interesting to do a little bit of a founding story time with Ed about Earth Calling itself, because people might be interested to know, you know, how we got going. And it's not like we are a multi-billion dollar business. It's not like we are a multi-million dollar platform, but we do have our own little story, which might be of interest to some of the people that tune in. So... Earth calling, in fact, began as a little idea that Laszlo and I had when I was visiting Laszlo in Berlin. So we will switch over <laughs> to our German accent and head <laughs> over to the Berlin district known as Neukölln. Is that where you live again? Very good. Know. Good memory, yes. yes. Neukölln. And I was in Laszlo's flat, his lovely flat, and I was actually on on his bed with him. Uh, we were lying there having a chat. And that's yep. probably set off all sorts of... <laughs> it's
1: also close to the maximum number of people I've uh, had in my bed. Total number of people I've ever had in
0: my bed. So... Well, hang on, I wasn't in your bed. I was sitting with you on true, your bed. True, true. He, of... he was on Otherwise the bed. He was on the bed. Otherwise, we're going to have the strange fan fiction going into overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: he was, he was on the bed. Yeah.
0: On the bed. And... I said to Laszlo, I think we should make a podcast. I have got a creative urge to do something with my time, given that we're locked down. And Laszlo is my most creative friend by a country mile, which is maybe more of an indictment of my uncreative (laughs) friends. No, but Laszlo, you know, he's a creative type. And he said, yeah, that could be fun. And fast forward a few weeks and I was actually at home back in London and found a book online god knows how this was recommended to me can't remember where i found it but it was a short story an erotic novel in fact called kissing the coronavirus <laughs> and at that point I, by the way i still remember the name of the protagonist
1: it's professor gertley Chund. very good it is yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah and i said to Laszlo, look this needs to see the light of day this could be our very first episode and so we actually recorded our first ever episode about the novella An erotic fan fiction called, well, not even fan fiction, just fiction called Kissing the Coronavirus, all about a doctor who creates the virus in a lab and then, well, sleeps with it. (laughs) Um, And we recorded a few early episodes. We weren't happy with what we were producing and didn't want to necessarily put it out to a wider audience, but we treated it as a bit of an MVP, you might say, a minimum viable product. And in true California style we iterated the product and then released an initial version to a few friends which went under a different name. Do you remember the name of our first episodes?
1: I, I, I do I do of course. Late at the Gold Mine. In fact, at this point I just wanted to play, just for the oh. <laughs> the enjoyment of our <laughs> listeners, the uh. very first the very first intro to our podcast, which um you'll probably you'll probably hear sounds notably different to, to recent ones. Here we go.
0: Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of an exciting new podcast, Late at the gold Mine, which is hosted by me, Ed, and a good friend of mine, Laszlo. Laszlo, what is the purpose of
1: this newfound endeavor of ours? Hello, Ed. Uh, yes, I'm Laszlo. Uh, this podcast will be all about finding those little gems buried away in the internet and seeing if they yield any comedy gold, hence the gold in the gold mine title so i mean that's just <laughs> it's just so hard to listen to it's like someone's got a gun pointed at our heads telling us yeah. to record this intro it's bizarre
0: criminal but that was our very first episode i think of Late at the goldmine we then iterated on the theme and the premise which has remained pretty nebulous <laughs> if we're honest <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and maybe more iteration
1: needed from season to season actually
0: yeah I think the the concept of being late at the gold mine, nuggets of gold, online content, uh, aliens. Basically, we just wanted to have a chat about online culture and millennial living. And that's what we've done. And it's gone pretty well. So lots of people have tuned in. We've really enjoyed it. But it's been a lot of fun. I think, you know, in terms of favorite episodes, I'd probably say youtube whatsapp loved having josh berry on netflix yep. what what are you what do you got on your in your pantheon yeah i
1: i i liked some of the uh, some of the more rogue ones actually i liked quora um mm. a lot the the hilarious uh, the hilarious text about the nuns in the forest encountering the bear if you, yes. if you remember that if you haven't listened to the core episode this is your chance hashtag um, throwback then I loved the bizarre, chaotic nature of the Clubhouse episode, yes. which was just a, a spectacular mismatch in our expectations versus <laughs> reality and uh, and also yeah next door just you know uh the the excuse to put on a a southern drawl mm, and the, uh, the, the, infamous, <laughs> the, the the infamous the the infamous corn roaster
0: yes um, and big bob's billy bass boathouse
1: <laughs> big bob's billy bass boathouse there's been some great moments it's been uh, it's been pretty amazing actually to just trawl through these these platforms no matter how um, well or lesser known they are, and just to dig out some some very unique content for our listeners. I've really enjoyed that.
0: Mm, absolutely. But enough of this navel-gazing, self-indulgent, soporific, nostalgic nonsense. Why don't we get on to the meat of what everyone's here for? we are here today to talk about the 10 ton gorilla in the jungle which is none other of course than amazon the ubiquitous american platform that is responsible for selling anything and everything increasingly products goods and services to anyone around the world apart from china because china they like to do their own thing so yeah uh, also i think about- I, I think Sorry. i should probably fill our listeners in
1: on the little joke you had there with the word (laughs) ubiquitous which nobody will know was actually an in joke between Ed and me and we don't often do these in jokes so that's why I'm explaining it to you today I at school I went through a phase of believing that ubiquitous was pronounced ubiquitous maybe not it wasn't such a problem with my pronunciation so much as I didn't know actually how you write the word itself so Ed was just referencing that um
0: so story time with Ed as many of you will know Amazon was founded by Jeff Bezos, who in 1994 read an article which told him that the web or the internet had grown a whopping 2,300% in one year alone. And the young Bezos or Bezos was astounded by this and decided that he needed to find some way to take advantage of the rapid growth of this new phenomenon. And so he made a list of 20 potential products that he could sell online and decided that books were the best option. And the reason that he picked books was because they don't expire, so they they remain in in good nick. They're pretty standard in terms of their size and shape and you can easily store them and they have unique sort of serial code numbers, ISBNs, so they're very easy to catalogue. So he founded Amazon in his garage, like all good startup founders in Washington on the West Coast, although um, not south in, in San Diego. And he did that because he thought they were going to be great programmers in Washington because Microsoft was headquartered there. So it started off, as everybody knows, as a marketplace for books, but quickly expanded into selling electronics, software, video games, apparel, furniture, food, toys and jewelry. In 2015, Amazon actually surpassed Walmart as the most valuable retailer in the US by market cap, and they've done all sorts of things over the years, many of which will be familiar to the people listening. I think in researching this, I realized quite how much Amazon does. So here's a list of some of the things that are under their broad umbrella. They've got Amazon Fresh, they've got Amazon Prime, they've got Amazon Web Services, they've got Alexa, they've got their own app store, they've got Echo, Kindle, Fire Tablets, Fire TV, Video, the Kindle Store, Music, Amazon Digital Gaming, Amazon Studios that makes the Prime videos, Amazon Wireless, and the Amazon Academy, the latter of which sounds terrifying. So, I mean, they basically do they basically do everything. And that has led to the... Amazon webpage being referred to as the everything store. And I suppose the rest is kind of history in the sense that it's become the most valuable company in the world. Jeff Bezos is now the world's wealthiest man and it is a part of everyday life for almost all of us. But so that is, in a nutshell, how Amazon got to where it is today. But Lazo, I mean, what do you think about Amazon and the role that it's played in changing consumer expectations about everything from what it means to be a company right the way through to what you expect in terms of the way that you shop?
1: Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, that list you read out of Amazon's kind of different affiliate brands and products is is bonkers. And it's, it's basically like Amazon is a lifestyle as opposed to anything is it mm. encompasses everything that humans do quite literally everything that humans do um and it's it's quite scary but in terms of let's say the impact on the consumer i think the 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 first thing that comes to my mind is simply the immediacy of receiving things that you buy online mm. You know, buying things online used to be, I remember, you know, in the kind of early days of the of the internet or when the internet was gaining popularity, you'd go onto eBay, you'd maybe do a bidding war, you finally, you know, you, you outbid someone for the, uh, for this old rusty golf club or whatever, and then it, it's delivered to you in two weeks. But now you, at the, at the click of a button, you've ordered something to arrive literally that afternoon. I mean, don't they have, they have same day delivery. Same day, it's, Absolutely.
0: Uh, And I think that it has basically pushed other companies to get even more on their toes and aggressive with what customer expectations are around delivery time. So, you know, same day delivery, next day delivery is now the norm. Free shipping is the norm. And they invented the whole business model of a subscription to obtain delivery benefits. So Amazon Prime, which is now this huge, hundreds of millions of customers pay this annual fee, which I don't even think about now it just goes out my wallet every year and I kind of think yeah I guess like they give me a lot of stuff I wonder actually if I divided that cost over all of my orders what I'd actually be paying for that next day delivery service but it's bananas in pajamas B A N A N A (laughs) S. B A N A N A S. Let me hear you say, so so it has completely revolutionized the way that we shop and the way that we think about business and companies and consumer expectations. But Laszlo, in terms of what you have found for us to feast upon this week at the gold mine, what have you got in store?
1: Yes. So this week I have found some rather funny Amazon product reviews and I know what you're thinking you're thinking ah, oh, last week they did TripAdvisor. advisor they did you know reviews of destinations but i couldn't resist because these are just too juicy not to read out and also uh just very very different circumstances to the TripAdvisor one so I just want to read out a few that I came across in basically perusing some of the weirder parts of Amazon and uh, this involved quite a lot of a lot of time investment so I hope you appreciate the the effort the first one is for a um, a product called the Bic for Her medium ballpoint pen now the, the Bic this is, for
0: her interesting
1: okay. yeah so, so it's a it's a kind of a pair of ballpoint pens a purple one and a pink one Mm. And it's quite a bizarre review. So it's got five stars, great product. And then the review goes as follows. My husband has never allowed me to write as he, <laughs> want, as he doesn't want me touching men's pens. However, when I saw this product, I decided to buy it, brackets using my pocket money. And so far, <laughs> it has been fabulous. Once I had learnt to write, the feminine colour and the grip size, which was more suited to my delicate little hands, has enabled me to vent thoughts about new recipes, ideas, sewing, and gardening. <laughs> my husband is less pleased with this product as he believes it will lead to more independence, and he hates the feminine tingling sensation he gets whenever he picks it up.
0: <laughs> I think that's a little bit ironic. Is there a little bit of irony there? I think she's. Isn't it I, just it's subverting
1: like on your wedding day?
0: It's a yeah. free ride when you've already paid. It's the good <laughs> advice that you just didn't take. Who would have thought it figures? Yes, but she is being ironic for all of our American listeners. And Indeed. the Bic. So there is actually a product called the Bic for her pen. I'm amazed that still is allowed to exist. How how awfully it... un woke and how very sexist of them
1: it is bizarre yeah the tagline at the top i can see on the packaging is beautifully smooth oh god okay. <laughs> it's pretty pretty grim moving on i introduced to you the hutzler 571 banana slicer now Ooh. you can kind of you can kind of imagine what this looks like looks like it's well you you describe what you what you'd
0: imagine ed well uh, it to me is shaped like a banana. And it has several serrated edges kind of interspersed within the banana frame that you put around your banana and then squeezed cut so that you get some nice pieces. I will actually interject at this point to reveal another banana fact. So not only did we learn a few weeks ago about the Cavendish banana and its proliferation of banana farming and therefore the huge risk that the bananas of the world face if we do have a Cavendish eating bug. But the other point I was going to make is that you can actually take a, a pin. Have you ever done this? You can take a pin and insert it into a banana and then wiggle it from side to side And in doing so, you cut the interior into slices without making it look like you cut the banana. So if you want to do a magic trick, you do that with a pin up and down. You then give it to someone and say, I can actually cut a banana for you without opening it. They then open it and are (laughs) amazed that you've perfectly sliced their banana without having actually opened it. I, yes, I've actually, I think I,
1: God, you know what? I genuinely think I came across one of those videos on TikTok when we did our TikTok oh, episode. Oh, really? I know, yeah. But that is, okay, so that's that's a very good fact. Um, your description was very accurate. It's basically a banana shape with lots of these kind of, it looks like a ladder with all these mm, different mm. kind of, uh, you know, lines uh, which, which would cut the banana. And uh, Mrs. Toledo, who wrote the review, is very positive about it. Five stars and the title, Saved My Marriage. Oh, and, and she goes she goes on what can i say about the 571b banana slicer that hasn't already been said about the wheel penicillin or the iphone this is, one of the- <laughs> <laughs> this is so that's a high bar this is one of the greatest inventions of all time my husband and i would argue constantly over who had to cut the day's banana slices it's one of those chores no one wants to do you know, the old, I spent the entire day rearing our children. Maybe you can pitch in a little and cut these bananas. And of <laughs> course, you think I have the energy to slave over your damn bananas. I worked a 12-hour shift j- j- just to come home to this. <laughs> these these are the things that can destroy an entire relationship. It got to the point where our children could sense the tension. The minute I heard our six-year-old girl in her bedroom reenacting our daily banana fight with her Barbie dolls, I knew we had to make a change. Oh my god! <laughs> that's when I found the five-seven-one B banana slicer. Our marriage has never been healthier, and we've even incorporated it into our lovemaking. <laughs> Thanks, five-seven-one B <571B laughs> banana oh, slicer. Oh, that's
0: a real twist at the end as well. Christ! <laughs> it was a
1: to think what that involves. And another one I thought was interesting to to read out was. A review on the... You know these books which are so-and-so for dummies? You know, mm. iPhones for dummies, whatever. Carpenting for dummies. This one is English grammar for dummies. And I couldn't resist uh, reading this one out because it's by someone called Nikolai Kristinsky. Oh, wonderful. Uh, <laughs> and what would You know, what, what what would this episode be without a, a bit of Russian in it? So, in Soviet Russia, I was strong teacher. My English, I know, is the best in all of Petropavlovsk. <laughs> <laughs> My
0: brother Mikhail, of he- by the way, very nice place.
1: Indeed My brother, Mikhail, he said to me, "Nikolai, you go to America, They make you rich like Tsar, take woman as lover, kill many bear." My brother, he is very wise, is greatest toy maker in all of Russia. So next day I wake up, sell my house, say goodbye to wife and children, and go to America to become millionaire. Then in America, <laughs> I go to job interview and they say to me, "Nikolai, you are not for the job here." You are not the skills we need, your English is poor like child. (laughs) I take that man and smash his table. I say, someday I will be greatest man in all of country. Your children will wish me their father. (laughs) That day, my anger is best of me. It is then I know I must learn better English, so I buy English grammar, it is for dummies by Mr. Woods. Now I am perfect English grammar. I write letter to Mikhail. He writes back, Nikolai, your English is like a god. You will be millionaire soon. All of Petropavlovsk is proud for you. Good luck, brother. Please send letter when you are president or maybe even Tsar. Ha ha ha. Also, your wife is killed by bear. (laughs) <laughs> so I say thanks to Mr. Woods for his book When I am sorry, your family will be spared Ha 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 Brackets is joke Close brackets
0: Oh my god It's quite a sort of Boras-esque that But in a in a very endearing, Russified yeah. way N- Not gonna yeah.
1: lie I think actually I prefer doing the Russian accent When it's kind of one or two sentences Not a whole, <laughs> not a whole 300 word text Where it really gets quite hard to roll your R's like that
0: Yes Excellent. No, I thought that was very good. But again, I wonder. So, do you think that's written by a Russian, an American? Who Who are the people writing these humorous reviews? I
1: mean, that one I, is just got to be someone who's got way too much time on a Thursday evening and is not yeah. Russian whatsoever. Ed, I'm curious to hear what you found on the the g- g- gargantuan platform which we are discussing today.
0: The g- g- gargantuan g- g- bloody hell. King's speech all over again. I am a thistle sifter. I have a sieve of sifted thistles and a sieve of unsifted thistles because I'm a thistle sifter.
1: Very good. gargantuan platform, I'll say it again. What did you find?
0: So, thistle sifters aside, I will, yeah, delve into what I found. So, first of all, I wanted to check out this transition from bookstore to everything store and see if that was reflected in my own purchases. So I decided to look back at my Amazon account before having a look at some other things you can buy on the site and I went all the way back to when I created my account in 2009. So, this was 11 years, wow. worth, actually 12 years, if you think about it properly. And I had a bit of a look. And interestingly, so 2009, 2010, kind of dorky, kind of geeky. I was obviously going to university to study Russian <laughs> and French literature. And so, you do actually see that in 2009, 2010, my purchases were very much connected to my degree. So, you had a lot of French and Russian literature. But As the years go on, you do see this shift from bookstore to everything store. And as the years go by, I started to buy odd things. So 2013, two standouts were an inflatable cactus and a miniature goat figurine. No idea why I bought those. Uh, 2015 saw a gallon of chili oil. Again... Not a too sure of chili oil, Yeah, I think I might have done one of those things where you kind of misgauge the size and you just order too yes. much. So. Very, very, tricky to know, especially with containers on Amazon. How
1: much yes. is actually in it? Yeah. Exactly.
0: And you see the picture, and you sort of like, can you put a baby's head next to that? Actually, well, yeah, no, I said a baby. Or, but or put it, can you just put, put it next? <laughs> put it next to a blue
1: whale. You know how they put like a, yeah. <laughs> a guy scuba diving. A guy scuba diving next <laughs> to a blue whale. I, I just want the the chili sauce next to a blue exactly.
0: Whale throwback to our facebook episode which has a reference to a blue whale and the fact that a human can swim in its arteries um which our most loyal listeners will know very was well was that
1: fact checked yeah anyway uh, yeah. that's not fact checked <laughs>
0: so we then went through the years 2016 saw some multicolored vegetable growth kit where you could buy some purple carrots which i bought uh some monkey slippers <laughs> a set of robes that were for a monk costume 2017, I reached 33 orders in the year, which included things like a garlic press, a pirate sword, and an Ali G costume. Pirate 2018, sword. saw the arrival of a gourmet chocolate pizza box. 2019, a highlight was a men's Japanese yukata robe set. 2020, so last year, some tr- swing trunks, speakers, poker chips, and of course, kissing the coronavirus, the ebook. And then this year so far, I have bought... A bottle of Polish vodka, a toy snake, a pizza cutter, a monkey t shirt, a toaster, and some very nice Himalayan rock salt in the form of a lamp. So, and that's among <coughs> all sorts of other things. Um, and it really is, you know, the everything store. So, that's just a, a, a smattering of the quite literally hundreds of things. I'm I've still bought thinking
1: about with. the goat figurine you got back in 2016. What yeah. the hell's that doing in, in the world these <laughs> and days? And the inflatable
0: cactus. God There's knows.
1: Inflatable cactus, yeah.
0: But so that is a little walk through my Amazon purchases over the year, which definitely do bring to bear this sense of the website becoming a destination for anything and everything rather than just books. But for today, I wanted to look at some of the stranger things. Well, those are, of course, strange things, but some of the stranger things shout out to Netflix, which (laughs) I found on on Amazon that you can actually buy. So the first product I found was, in fact, a candle. And I know what you're thinking. No, I'm not talking about Gwyneth Paltrow's goop candle designed to smell like her vagina. Although that is pretty bloody odd, if we're honest. I am, in fact, talking... I mean, that was not what I was thinking, but thank you for for saying that. I am, in fact, talking about the M1 candle, which is designed to smell like a brand new Apple product, um, which... I frankly would love. Do you know what I mean? When you open a MacBook or a new iPhone and you peel off that, that beautiful sort of casing that it has yeah. and you get that smell. The, the smell that a new Apple product gives off is delectable, I would say. And this candle Smells like So
1: it. is that the first thing you do when you you know you get your new iPhone? And you kind of peel off the cover and they just you just hold out the box to your nose yes. and give it a good sniff like a new yeah book. like a
0: fine Cabernet Sauvignon. I will inhale it and say, "God, it's got a wonderful bouquet." This iMac hasn't it, fantastic. God, wait! So
1: Frank Underwood has At- suddenly entered no, the room and he's, and he's got Frank a new Underwood.
0: iPhone. Well, I don't mind if I do <laughs> test out this new iPhone. It smells a little bit like power. And I'm not talking about any kind of power. I'm talking about MagSafe power adapter power. <laughs> oh, God. That uh, was criminal. very good. I'll give so you that one. slightly lost the accent, though, because I was so excited by that one. So that was my first finding. My second find was a harness for pet chickens now this <laughs> this is a bit okay. like a dog lead as you can probably I, imagine
1: i i think i've actually got a perfect picture picture of it in my mind kind of you know holding the chicken's chest up you know they've got very big chest chickens as well you know you've got a especially a,
0: a factory chicken which would have very large breasts
1: yes of course
0: so This is a chicken harness, and some of the questions are great. So some of the commonly asked questions by customers are, would you be able to make a large one for our pet emu? I would love to be able to post pics on your site with our emu wearing one of your harnesses. And the response is simply, our products are available in all sizes, small, medium, large. Do you have one for a quail? hello <laughs> yes thank you for your attention to my product this is suitable for chickens ducks geese suitable for some birds but not all i would advise against a quail um is that because a quail is quite small i guess
1: well i mean uh, <laughs> i'm very familiar with their eggs i'm not i haven't <laughs> actually seen a photo of the quail itself i'm usually too busy you know dipping it in that nice celery mm. salt um we all know the celery
0: salt or do we maybe not and then just finally, tasty. could I use this to go jogging with my chicken? <laughs> Response, only if your chicken can keep up with you. It's good for holding onto the chicken while she walks around pecking the ground. I really do recommend it, but probably not for running. So that is the chicken harness. Now, this next product I thought was particularly good for you laszlo and it is the charcoal companion cc1130 stainless meat claw lifter meat shredder (laughs) and these are essentially wolverine claws that you attach to your hands to shred barbecued meat oh wow okay that's already got
1: me salivating yeah gee i can i can even i can i can picture that so they go they go in your fist right and they kind of they're like blades exactly. between your
0: fists, and you you just you kind of you get right the you take a whole you take a whole pork butt wow. and just rip it up, shred, shred it. The up.
1: Trouble is, you just couldn't do that with a you know a bit of fried halloumi or a, a portobello mushroom. You just wreck the mushroom. No, very, or
0: jackfruit.
1: Yeah, god, you really need the meat for that. Well, thanks Ed for those. Uh, moving on to the final. Edition of Laszlo's listicles for this first season of Earth Calling. And you know, people who listen to the TripAdvisor episode will be thinking that was brutal, to be honest. That's what they'll be thinking. That was brutal, you know. <laughs> uh, Laszlo really lashed out at Ed, who um typically performs very well, and I decided to give him quite a devilishly hard challenge to name I think in the in the right order, name the top three most, most visited sites in the world, and
0: he no, course, well, took, crucially not most visited, n- no, crucially yeah, most exactly. booked,
1: and he he, you know, gave it all that about the oh bookings are different because there has to be some kind of element of you know tickets or m- whatever, yeah. yeah. But anyway, th- this time I've got one which I think is very fair and also uh, very amusing related to Amazon. So I've picked this out from an article with the title seven bizarre ridiculous things jeff bezos has spent his money on and um i i what i've done is is sort of another version of the whole two truths one lie with a, another little twist in that there's unfortunately only one lie in this in this list i've um put together myself based on this article so i'm going to read out six of the ridiculous oh, God. things Jeff Bezos purchase and you have to you have to single out the one that is a lie, okay? The needle in the haystack, okay. The fine. needle in the haystack, yeah. Go for it. Okay, number one. An old textile museum. Number two. Two blocks in Seattle. Are you Googling? No, I'm just writing these down. Okay, good. Okay, he's such a student. If you if you guys could see what I'm seeing, you would be you would be beside yourselves. Ed's got the most serious expression I've seen this whole episode. He's kind of he's he's looking at his monitor. And he's just going, oh god, bloody hell,
0: and he's kind of okay. Come away. on, come on. Text time okay. in two blocks in Seattle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> good. Yeah. Number three, a private jet. Mm-hmm. Number four, a giant clock that ticks once a year.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Number five, The Last Blockbuster Store. And number six, The Washington Post. That's the publication, The Washington
0: Post. So just to clarify on the premise of this, is the lie that you've put in here, are you absolutely sure that he hasn't bought it? 100%. Okay so to recap we've got the textile museum two blocks in seattle private jet giant clock ticks once a year last blockbuster store washington post so we can rule out the washington post because he owns that um, and he bought the publication years ago and has been accused of funding a smear campaign against trump from the washington post and i mean amazingly though has revived it from its pretty dull prospects to being a really quite impressive money making paper in the age of the decline of news print media but let's look elsewhere so whew, these are all quite difficult so i'm going to have to just take some take some punts here i think that realistically in seattle he has the amazon office so you know i'm i'm assuming that we can rule out two blocks in seattle because amazon employs 1.2 million people globally so there's a load of them in seattle they probably need two blocks Private jet, <clears throat> I think we've got to rule it out because he must have bought one. He's worth 180 billion and he surely owns a private jet. So I'm going to remove that. Textile museum, again, it's in that kind of weird Bezos type stuff. He's funded all sorts of things. Blue Origin, he's going to space in July, for God's sake. The man's a weirdo. He might well have bought the textile museum. He's taking his brother with him. Taking his brother with him, yeah. Um, Last Blockbuster store. I don't think he bought that. So I think that's the one that was either in Anchorage, Alaska, which we've discussed in a previous episode, or it might be, I think there might be one in Wisconsin, but I don't think he bought that. So I've ruled out the Washington Post, the private jet, two blocks in Seattle. We've got the Blockbuster store, the giant clock and the textile museum. So I reckon textile museum is the sort of weird thing you might have bought. And it's also quite niche for you to have come up with that. Textile is not really a word that I can imagine you just like plucking out of thin air. So I'm going to say he does. (laughs) I know a lot of words. Yeah, you do. Um, Prelapsarian. But I think that I'm going to say he's bought one. I'm also going to say that he has some strange atomic clock which ticks once a year, which means that he has not bought the last blockbuster store. Which I th- is that the one in Anchorage, Alaska, or is it a different one? Is it somewhere else? In, like, it's in Bend, it's Bend, in Bend, Oregon. It's in Bend, Oregon. Oh, but he might have bought that as part of some sort of Amazon Prime. Is it him or is it Amazon? Because Amazon might well have bought that as some publicity stunt. I mean, it's him. Him personally. Him personally. Uh, but he also loves Star Trek, so he could well have like just geeked out on that Blockbuster store and just done it as a bit of a power play. I think he's very prone to that sort of behaviour. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm toying between the giant clock and the Blockbuster store. Okay, I'm going to do a last-minute swerve. I don't think he's bought a giant clock that ticks once a year.
1: Ooh, it's agonizing. It's agonizing. Oh, it's agonising. It's agonising, the giant no. swerve. It's in fact the one that you were going to go oh, with your instinct. no. It's the last store. Block. Yeah, the last blockbuster store was... I made that up. He's not bought that. It's Dammit. privately owned, but not by him. And yeah, so the giant clock that ticks once a year, I can tell you about now, it is essentially... It's been designed to have a life of 10,000 years. It's being built on a, on a piece of land that Bezos owns in Texas. And he spent 42 million on this giant mechanical... Day-night thermal cycle clock, which is synchronized at solar noon, and a symbol for
0: long-term thinking, as he says so himself. So it's a bit, bit weird. Right. He. I mean, yeah. you know, he's an odd guy. Has anyone ever heard yeah. him laugh? Have you heard him laugh?
1: I've, I've seen. I think the compil- compilation you might be referring to called Jeff Bezos laughing. The evolution of the Jeff be- Bezos. The Jeff Bezos yes. laugh. He laughs like an evil maniac. <laughs> <laughs> That was very good, actually. <laughs> no, that yeah. was more Jimmy Carr, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's> Jimmy Carr, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And any listeners who have not uh, watched YouTube videos of Jimmy Carr laughing, the English comedian, please do look it up on YouTube. It's quite... <laughs> and just one other one I'll run you through quickly is this textile museum which he bought. You're quite right, another kind of weird thing that he did. In 2016, he bought an old museum... Which was then to be renovated to make a house for him. So it wasn't exactly this charming story of him, uh. you know, renovating this textile museum and, and making it a public space in, in uh, Seattle. He paid 23 million for the, for the Washington Textile Museum, which was then converted into a 27,000 square foot building mansion. I thought he was going to say and that he
0: conversed it into an Amazon fulfillment center full of robots <laughs> and disgruntled employees peeing yeah. into bottles.
1: The, the fanciest. The Please fanciest.
0: don't sue us, Amazon. And by the way, thank you for sponsoring yeah. this final episode, episode of Earthcore.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's the biggest sponsorship deal we've landed yet. Um, <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Um, but to be fair, he did rehouse the uh, exhibits to um, the George Washington University, which now houses them. So, uh, Yeah not not too bad of him and but and by the way the building looks really really quite beautiful it's it's Mm. a kind of typical red brick townhouse um i can imagine there being sprawling gardens behind it but anyway jeff you know he's probably running out of ways to to spend his money isn't he
0: he is and there's another video i would recommend people to watch which is of course on youtube and it is visualizations of billionaires wealth in grains of rice and they basically show what 180 billion dollars looks like if you treat every grain of rice as 100k and it is astonishing how much rice that guy has um it's literally like yeah lamborghini a couple of grains and you look back at what he's got because people forget that a billion is a thousand million yeah so he's got one hundred and eighty thousand yeah. million dollars
1: that's that's uh that's sickening in fact it's sickening
0: but I think not bad for the final listicle you know nearly got there, but of course nearly is not quite good enough. So shame to, to whiff the final quiz, but it was a lot of fun. And thank you, Lazlo, for putting those together over the past X weeks. It's been a lot of fun doing those listicles. And the listicle department, I know, uh, has undergone yes. various difficulties. <laughs> I, was, I was
1: about to say I was about to say that the, the reason the quality um, kind of improved for this last episode was uh, really, really happy to have um, Pamela back from her maternity leave. Uh, not Pamela Anderson, a different Pamela, but she's uh, she's just a great worker. She's a great team member.
0: Excellent. And I think that's just about all we've got time for on this 30th episode. So I think to fill you all in on our plans, Laszlo and I have decided to take a break, like all good podcasts. In fact, (laughs) I think Earth Calling is somewhat anomalous in the sense that we've just churned out 30 episodes, one a week for the past seven months. So we're going to take some time to think about where we want the series to go. We would love anybody to get in touch. And in the meantime, we will be dreaming up, scheming up new ideas for both the premise of the show, which we've never quite fully nailed, I think, as well as what exactly it is that we want to get from it. So we are very grateful to everyone for listening. Laszlo, I mean, does that reflect the way that we're thinking about things?
1: Absolutely, yes. I think uh, I couldn't have put it better. It's been riotously fun at times to do this, this first season, and I think Well, we hope that you've enjoyed it just as much as we have.
0: But honestly, we are so grateful to everyone for tuning in. As ever, please do give us a like on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. If you so wish, head over to Spotify where you can download us and also subscribe. And if you fancy, you can swing on over to Instagram where you can find us at earth underscore calling underscore pod for all of the extra content.
1: Wonderful, Ed. I've enjoyed you wrapping it up on a weekly basis. And uh, that was done as professionally as usual. But thank you so much, everyone. Stay tuned for updates on our social media channels. And for now, it's Earth out. Mm